You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is going to be the mystical, magical day of pro football focus, where we look at how people grade it out and such. Also, everybody is banging down the door to ask about Jay Kumaro. I've got a very um, Packernet Podcast, Pack Daddy kind of answer for you, so, you, you know, you can probably almost anticipate what I'm going to say about it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. The The question, for those that don't know, is what do you think about Jay Kumaro getting more opportunities? Obviously, Matt LaFleur said he's going to be getting more opportunities, so that's not so much the question of, of if, but is there merit to it? And, and the background behind that is there's a certain contingent of Packers fans who have been on the Kumaro bandwagon since forever and have just felt like if the guy would just get some opportunities, he'd be... You know, easily our number two wide receiver, he just doesn't get the opportunities. So those people feel vindicated, and they want to know if it's rightly vindicated. Not to say that they, you know, are going to change their mind based on what I say, but, you know, whatever. I'll give my thoughts. Preliminaries, please get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. And if you wouldn't mind, as a little aside, liking the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, that would be oh so greatly appreciated. For those that are maybe new around here, I might want to remind you that Packernet.com is our website. It's a great place to get all your news notes and information because it is simply a news aggregator. So it's a great thing to just wake up in the morning and be like, what up with the Packers today? Maybe check in once in a while and just see what's up in Packerland. And then uh, after the break, I think we're going to do our 19th giveaway because nobody wants this last jersey. I think that's maybe the problem with some of these social media strategies. Not that I'm opposed to having a bigger following, but, you know, when you have a follow me and I'll give you stuff, then people follow you, but they don't have any, you know, like I said, one of these guys, I'm pretty sure was a Vikings fan. He's not a listener to this podcast. Oh, there are some Vikings fans, but you get what I'm saying. But uh, we'll, we'll do another giveaway, so maybe it'll be you this time. Eventually, we'll get to you. I mean, by, you know, 2020 in July, you've got probably like a 25% chance of being the guy. Speaking of July, I miss warmth. Completely random, but I thought about July, and then I remembered the sun, and it made me think of Florida, and now I'm going to cry. So, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to donate several thousand dollars so that I can um, fly to the Bahamas for a few days and just face plant on the beach. That'd be great. Otherwise, you don't, you know, that's, you don't have to. It's fine. Spending the day daydreaming about it is just as good anyways, so it's fine. Basically, basically the same thing. Let's take a break. So I've made this pitch several times. Um, I, I don't think I really need to elaborate how important it is that we have a relatively large Packers presence over the border for the game against the Minnesota Vikings. So I would just ask that you consider it. I mean, actually consider it and realize I'm talking directly to you. But I live in France. I don't want to hear excuses, man. Pack up your crepes. Get on Air France. Assuming that's a thing. Direct flight into Minneapolis. You probably got one somewhere. Get yourself to the game, man. Plus, if you're, like, waving a French flag, is anyone going to even be mad at you? That That's just confusing. Nobody even knows what's happening. You can't be mad at that. 
Like, just get that black and white striped shirt, you know, like the, the, the mimes wear, and, like, eat a baguette and have, like, a, a little floppy hat and a French flag. You'll probably, the whole section will probably be quiet, because they'll just be like, what is, what, who is this guy? Why is there a mime in our section here? I don't think he speaks English, either. See? No excuses. All you gotta do is jump on the old Vivid Seats app, grab a couple backer Viking tickets, get out to the game, and scare everybody. And when you're ready to do exactly that, make sure you enter promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app. It'll save you a little bit of money, which will help pay for the airfare. So, win-win. I'm not sure what the second win is, but win-win-win. Uh, because now I'm just saying things. However, if you're going to be a bum and not fly halfway across the world to go watch the Green Bay Packers, might I interest you in a fancy live streaming sports app. Because today's episode is in fact brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network that is live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right, it's sports coverage that's always on and always free, always. And again, it is. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, open up CBS Sports HQ, check out what's on, guess what's on, live streaming sports. That were just posted like an hour ago. It's got all the highlights, the breaking news, fantasy advice, a little bit, little bit gambling going on. You know, talk, talking about some gambling, just, just a little bit. It's got all the goodies. And let's not forget the free part. There's no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up. Just download it, open it, boom, sports in your face. So download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. All right, so let's talk Kumaro. And let me preface this once again by saying I was the original Kumaro hype artist. Now, to be fair, I was doing it to be a little bit ironic because I expected very little. However, guy was from Whitewater, and he was he's the cousin of the Bosa's, so I'm like, yeah, that's definitely my guy. I mean, he's gonna. I'm just going to ring that bell until he inevitably gets cut. And here we are. So I will take partial credit for that. Thank you very much. But as to the question of... Let me just focus on the initial narrative. Because the, the idea is that the guy's always been a really good wide receiver. He just doesn't get opportunities. And I think the problem is we don't see him and we just assume he's sitting on the bench waiting to just be awesome. Here's the problem in the reality. He has been on the field 283 times. He has run routes 167 times this year. He's been on the field as many times as this past week, eight times. In other words, there's only three games that he's played less snaps than against Chicago. So it's fair to say we should bump him up, but you got to understand we're bumping him back up to what he was at. He played only 11 snaps. Starting in week 5, he played 48, 65, 41, 34, 13, 21, 20, excuse me, 22, 14, 7, 11. So what you're seeing is starting in week 5, he was a regular contributor. All right, 48, 65, 41, 34. A lot of this is probably the Devante is gone thing. And then starting in week 9, a severe drop-off down to 13, 21, 22, 14. And then last week against Washington, only seven snaps, and then this week, 11. So it's not as though he hasn't gotten opportunities, it's just that he hasn't done anything with them. And the biggest problem I have with what's going on now is this is very, very reminiscent of why everybody for an entire year, and possibly even two years, loved Geronimo Allison. It's, the, it's, it's an exact parallel with Jay Kumaro now and Geronimo Allison. Do you know what happened with Geronimo Allison? He had one catch. He had one big catch. And everybody lost it. Geronimo's the man. We need more Geronimo. And I kept saying, he's not that good. Geronimo is not that good. Yeah, but here's the problem. Geronimo, he's not that good. And everybody lost it. And everybody got mad at me. You don't know what you're talking about. Did you see that catch? What are we doing right now? 
How many catches did he have last week that you remember in which he was just really good? When you think about Jay Kumaro last week, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about that one catch, right? That great throw between two defenders where he caught it and then juked a couple guys and kept running. Because, I mean, that's that's awesome. There's no question about it. And I'm, I'm not anti-Kumaro. I just want to make sure we're looking at this from the proper perspective. This is a guy who has been on the field 283 times. He had one good catch, and now Jay Kumaro is the second coming. Of what? I don't know. But, you know, I'll let you fill in the blank there. I think that's maybe a little bit disingenuous. Especially, how many times have we been through this? MVS is the man, right? Geronimo is the man. Alan Lazard is a freak. Jay Kumaro is unbelievable. We can't decide if this is a team that has one really good wide receiver or like six. Because all the hype about all these other wide receivers, you'd think that this is like 2009 Packers or 2000, what was it? Like what, what was like peak wide receiver Packers? 2011? Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Randall Cobb. Because you'd think that's what we've got right now. Because we've got Devontae, who's really good. we got Alan Lazard, who's obviously just a freak. we got Geronimo, which I know we've all fallen out of love. But it, the recency thing just drives me insane. Now it's like, oh, everybody knows Geronimo's terrible. Geronimo isn't. Geronimo's the same guy he's been since forever. He's always been this guy. But because he had like two drops this past week, suddenly it's like, oh, he's just the worst. No, 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 no. You gotta relax. Because this whole thing is so obnoxious, it's just, it drives me nuts. And the problem is the media takes part in it. And so people who go a little crazy feel vindicated. Because right now all the blue check marks are like, Dude, Kumaro, right? I mean, Kumaro! Irresponsible. Stop it. Again, I got nothing against Kumaro, but Kumaro's just a dude who's been here all year and has done pretty close to nothing all year, had one good catch, and suddenly it's like, See? He just needs opportunities! Dude, he had 11 opportunities this week, as opposed to 48, 65, 44, 34, 13, 21, 22, and 14. He didn't have any opportunities. He just, for the first time in, in pretty much this whole year, has done something. And that something was one good catch, which wasn't even a good catch. It was just he made two guys miss after the catch, which is awesome, but oh my goodness. <sighs> Literally, it was he, one catch for 49 yards. You know how many catches he had last week? Zero. You know how many he had before that? Zero. San Francisco, one target, zero. And again, it's not that he's not getting opportunities. We've already been over this. We've, we've talked about this. He's run routes 167 times. San Francisco, the Giants, Washington, Chicago, the last four weeks, he's run routes almost 30 times. He turned that into one catch. It was a big one, no question. And yeah, when he catches passes, which is rare, it seems to be so, you know, against Oakland, two targets, two receptions, 54 yards and a touchdown. On a catch-by-catch basis, it seems like there's kind of something cool going on. Maybe kind of, sort of, sometimes. Right, I get, well, 19.3 yards per reception. So the plays tend to be a little bit more explosive, but there's not, not more plays because he's not on the field. Also, the limited amount of sample size is probably why it's so high. If he had more receptions, that number would come down. It's because he has 11 receptions that it's at 19.3. He has 11. If he had, you know... 70, I don't think it would stay at 19.3, but he only has 11. And again, he doesn't just have 11 because of a lack of opportunities. Now, if, you, if you're saying you want to bump him over Geronimo, fine. But let's just remember what's been going on this whole year, right? Because I said the same speech about Geronimo. I've done the same speech about Kumaro in the past. I've done this speech already about Alan Lazar. I, I, I will never stop doing this speech, I don't think. 
By the way, since Alan Lazard's three target, three reception, 103 yards, and a touchdown game against the Giants, he's had four catches for like 20, 33 yards. Not trying to dunk on the guy, but just looking at PFF grades, he's had two good games, well, three good games in his this whole year. Jay Kumaro has had three good games. You want to know what his grades have been this year? So again, this is this is PFF watching the tape, assessing whether or not he's a good football player or not. This is what he's doing with his opportunities. Starting in week one, ready? Here's all of his grades. 60, 59, 50, 54, 65, 82, 54, 79, 63, 54, 63, 86. So he's had three good games, two very good games, right? Two in the eight. Well, t- all three, we'll say. 79 is basically 80. So three very good games, four average games, which basically all, you know, three of those four are just limited opportunities. So really, if we just eliminate those three games under 10 snaps, then it's it's three really good games, one average game, and four below average games. It's not a lack of opportunities, it's a lack of consistency, and this is the truth with all the wide receivers, which is why the whole year, what have I been saying? It's a matter of, on a week-to-week basis, we need somebody to step up, and somebody usually does. Sometimes Alan Lazard blows up, and that's awesome because we need that. Sometimes Kumaro has his one play, and that's awesome because we need that. Geronimo, I don't think, has really had that game, although he occasionally gets those clutch catches at times. MVS just has not, that just has not synced up, but he obviously has the potential to be that guy at some point. It wouldn't be surprising if at some point before this year is out, MVS has a pretty good game. I mean, if he'd have just caught that pass, this would have been his good game because he would have had one catch for, I don't know, 60 yards and a touchdown or whatever it was, 70 yards, which is a better reception than Jay Kumaro's one reception. So I would hope that we'd be freaking out, but probably not because MVS, we feel like we've already got this figured out. He's no good. Jay Kumaro just gets no opportunities. He needs more opportunities. That's probably what the narrative would be, and it would be false. We have one good wide receiver. His name is Devontae Adams. And by the way, he hasn't done anything in a very long time. But we know he's good because we've seen years and years of this. Just something isn't working. I don't know if his toe's bothering him. I also have some very serious questions about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with him. It's only really been two very bad games, but he hasn't had a really good game in a very long time. We'll get more into that as we look specifically at Pro Football Focus. But but that's, I mean, that's the bottom line. And there's nothing wrong with... With, as long as it's somewhat of a measured statement of, I think we should bump up Jay Kumaro above Geronimo. Okay, that's fair. I think the biggest hindrance to that is that Geronimo Allison is a six foot three blocking machine, same as Alan Lazard. So Matt LaFleur is looking at this as Geronimo and Alan Lazard are really, really good blockers, although Geronimo sometimes is terrible, but he has a lot of games in which he's just an elite run blocker. And Matt LaFleur likes that and wants that, so he's keeping him on the field more often to where, you know, 50% of his snaps are basically just run blocking. Now, maybe Kumaro can do I I, I don't know. I'm, again, that's fine if we want to talk about that, that we need more Lazard, more Kumaro, less MVS, less Geronimo. I think that creates a pretty big problem in terms of speed because Lazard, Kumaro, and Devante are not fast at all, so you've got to have some kind of a solution. And that's probably going to have to be Marquez. But again, that's that's fine. Jay Kumro and Geronimo Allison, it's a one-to-one replacement as far as being a receiver. I don't know that Geronimo offers much of anything that Jay Kumro can't do. I just want to make sure we're coming at this at a little bit more of a relaxed, tempered, even stance. Because it's just, it's too crazy. And I can feel, like, te- sense this, like, oh, we got this great thing, and it's amazing, and if he gets more opportunities, we're going to have a real number two, and Alan Lazard is basically already a number two, and it's, oh, 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 oh. no, dude. Devontae's good, but he's struggling. Marquez is fast, but he just can't do anything. 
Geronimo has been kind of never been very good, but is at least consistent as far as his hands, except now when he can't catch anything. Kumaro flashes once every six weeks with a really good catch, like one of them, and then disappears for the next five weeks. Alan Lazard has been somewhat more consistent, but is now kind of just relegated to that guy who has one really big catch, maybe two. But he's a really good run blocker, and he's kind of coming up in in the clutch. Which is, again, this is fine because everybody kind of has a role, and it seems to be mishmashing somewhat well enough, except for the fact that we haven't been able to throw the ball in like five weeks. Not because we have a bunch of elite wide receivers like Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, Geronimo, Marquez, and Devante. But because of the other thing, where Alan Lazard had his moment and he hasn't had a moment in a while, and Jake Kumaro is relegated to one good catch every six weeks, Geronimo can't do anything, Marquez and Aaron Rodgers can't get on the same page, and Devante hasn't been a factor in a very long time outside of these quick little slant routes. Little out routes, little wide receiver screens. That's all Devontae can do anymore. And, I, and I'm, I'm really not trying necessarily to complain, but I'm just trying to highlight how ridiculous it is that we have a bunch of fans that are acting like we've got four or at least three number one wide receivers on the team, and we don't. We have one number one wide receiver who is struggling, and we got a bunch of guys that aren't number twos, but sometimes step up to the plate and act like it which is awesome as long as we can have a rotation where somebody's always up there as like a legit number two, that's cool. But there's no consistency whatsoever. We've got guys that over the course of 13, 14 games, whatever it's been, have had three good games. That's the proper context. And I'm excited about it. I'm glad we have a guy like Jay Kumaro that has that sort of ability. And as long as the Packers can utilize their specific abilities in certain situations and it's you know Kumaro he is a pretty good route runner he's got some limitations but he's pretty shifty I think he's very cerebral right because he doesn't have a lot of high athleticism but he's he's he has has the art of route running down pretty well he got good hands that's cool so if yeah if he's as long as we again as long as we can just have somebody show up enough times then you know that's cool but also at the same time let's remember how many times we throw the ball in a game and if Kumaro shows up once and Alan Lazard shows up twice, Geronimo shows up twice, Marquez just that just never works. What are we talking about? Because we can't just have a handful of receptions amongst all of our wide receivers. And then Aaron Rodgers just the rest of the day chucks it down to Devontae, who's completely blanketed. That the strategy doesn't work. So that that's where I'm at, without talking in circles. If we're saying let's bump up his, his snaps a little bit because he's better than Geronimo, sure, I'll sign off on that. Let's let's cut it off there, though. He's getting a lot of opportunities. He's doing almost nothing with it. Okay? All right. So usually I do a break between offense and defense, but let's just take a break now, and then we'll power through all the grades and um, kind of look at some stuff. There's, of course, good news and bad news as far as everything is concerned. I'm excited to highlight a few of them, but uh, there are some troubling concerns in my mind. But anyways, we'll take a break, and we'll talk about it. So I want to start with one thing, relatively short on time, but um, somebody had uh, sent me a message requesting that I look at the Chicago Bears um, PFF grade. Because what I had said, actually I don't remember exactly what I said, but it, 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 there, there's sort of a question of, did we just beat up on a really garbage Chicago Bears team, or is this sort of hype for real? Are they getting better, and did the Packers overcome what is one of the best defenses in football and an ascending offense? Now, part of the problem with all of this is that it's, if the Packers do a really good job of shutting down the Bears, the Bears get bad grade. That's sort of the problem. So, for example, in this game, Khalil Mack had a grade of 56. Now, is that because Khalil Mack had one of the worst games he's ever had, and we got lucky? Or did he get a 56 because Brian Balaga made him look like a joke? Probably a little bit of both, but, you know, 
It is what it is. And the same thing could be true of the game against Minnesota. Worst game Kirk Cousins has ever played in his entire life. How much of that is Kirk Cousins just playing a terrible game? How much of that did the, the Green Bay Packers create? There's going to be an element of both. You'd have to really sit down and analyze the game on a play-by-play basis to see, is this guy just not putting in the effort? Or is he just getting completely stonewalled because of an excellent effort on the other side? Here's what I will tell you, and we're going to look at this in a second. The group in this entire game that was most motivated to play, hands down, was the Packers' offensive line. Oh my goodness, did they play out of their mind. But the one thing I wanted to highlight in this is uh, Mitch Trubisky. Because the question is, is Mitch Trubisky actually getting better? Or is this the same joke of a Mitch Trubisky that um, that just kind of had some success marching down the field against the Packers? Because I had somebody somebody on Twitter as a Vikings fan is trying to dunk on me with half a brain. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. He's not making any sense anymore. But part of it is, haha, you almost lost to the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, who's garbage. Well... Here's the problem. Number one, Mitch Trubisky was the third highest graded player on the Chicago Bears offense. He had a 74.8. To further elaborate on that, he was the sixth highest graded quarterback of the entire week. Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Mitch Trubisky. That's the order of it. Here's the other interesting note, which isn't a great note. And granted, he's been going up against some not great teams. But the question of, well, maybe he just played well because it was the Packers and they're terrible. Over the last four weeks, Mitch Trubisky is the fourth highest graded quarterback in the NFL right now. Ryan Tannehill's number one, Drew Brees is number two, Russell Wilson is number three, Mitch Trubisky is four, Lamar Jackson is five. Over the last four weeks, PFF has a higher grade, almost tied, but a higher grade on Mitch Trubisky than Lamar Jackson. If you'd like to know why, it's because Lamar Jackson's grade is is almost entirely running. As a thrower, they have Lamar Jackson as 10th and Mitch Trubisky as 4th, and that's probably weighted a little bit higher, so there you go. Here's the other issue. Would you like to know where Aaron Rodgers is ranked over the last four weeks? He's 30th. We now live in a world over the last four weeks where Mitch Trubisky is the 4th highest graded quarterback in football. Aaron Rodgers is 30th. That's terrifying. Now, it's it's a little bit of statistical gameplay because there was two really bad games in there, but so what? So what? That's wildly unacceptable, especially considering the quality of the, of, the, of the teams. Now, granted, one of them, the worst game of his career, happened against the 49ers, but one of them was Washington. So you know what? I'm not really interested in excuses, because at the same time when we see a lot of players really starting to step up, right, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, you know, Kumaro and Lazard, and all these guys are starting to, like, flash and starting to come on and starting to show something, the one guy that is the most important piece of this entire team, Aaron Rodgers, is devolving into just, what is this? Now, this past week wasn't that horrible, and it was against a great defense, and I think he was graded, like, 10th or something. It was fine. But, dude, can't have it. Can't have every other week. And by the way, it's been every other week, right? Coming out of the bye, worst game of his career. Against the Giants, he was great. Against Washington, horrible. Worst game in the last two to three years. Against Chicago, eh, decent. Now we go up against Minnesota. I wonder what's going to happen. Better not be the following this pattern. But here's the other problem with all this. Aaron Rodgers is grading out okay as far as the season is concerned. Since week eight... He's had two grades in the 70s, two, which would be good. Not very good, not elite, just good. One of them, by the way, was a 72, so barely. He's had three games in the 60s, one game in the 50s, and one game in the 30s. To start the season, 
Week one was terrible, 56. But after that, 81, 75, 74, 67, 89, 93. That's Aaron Rodgers. Weeks one through seven is Aaron Rodgers. There's one game that was a bad game. He's got a 60 in there. But he's otherwise 70s, 80s, and even 90s. That's that's typical Aaron Rodgers. 60, 60, 70, 30, 70, 50, 60. That's Mitch Trubisky. They have reversed over the last four weeks. Again, Trubisky, number four. Aaron Rodgers, number 30. Come on, man. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's a wide receiver. I don't know, and I don't care. Aaron Rodgers cannot be the 30th best quarterback in football, especially if we're going to win a Super Bowl of some kind, because the defense is finally clicking. Everything's finally clicked. we got a run game. we got a defense. We just can't throw the ball, and one of the major factors in why we can't throw the ball is Aaron Rodgers is having some of the worst games of his career over the last couple weeks. Can't have it. Sorry, can't have it. But anyways, so... The whole point of that was supposed to be to look at the Chicago Bears. Bottom line is the offense is getting better. Mitch Trubisky is getting better. Somewhat disconcerting, I suppose. But, you know, whatever. They're out of the playoffs because, you know, the Packers knocked them out, so burn. But anyways, let's look at the offense because what we've seen over the last several weeks and and the biggest trend has been quarterback, wide receivers, and tight ends at the bottom. The lowest graded player, again, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Do you know what his grades have been this year? In week seven, he had a grade of an 88. That was his one like, woo, what, look at this guy. In week three, he had a 76. Since week seven, though, here's his grade. So starting in week eight, 45, 49, 55, 52, 56, 54, 36. He has not been average since week seven. He's not been average. And this last week was the worst game he's played, 36. It just ain't working, man. And prior to that, 88, 64, 56, 55, 76, 49, 65. The norm for him is like 50s and 40s with an occasional like, whoa, he caught one. So Marquez, worst game he's had all year, just not working, terrible, terrible. The next three lowest graded players, one of which I put all my money on in the uh, stock market game, Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanya, and Jay Sternberger. What do those guys have in common? And by the way, how many weeks now have we talked in which the tight ends were all bunched up at the bottom? After that, shockingly, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were the next lowest graded. Now, that's actually really frustrating because we saw the running backs not going anywhere, and the assumption usually is, well, the offensive line isn't blocked. What we'll find is that that's not the case. In fact, this is one of the, I mean, it's by far the best the offensive line has ever run blocked, ever, by a mile. I've never seen the offensive line. Usually the offensive line is terrible across the board. Maybe one person gets like a 70-something in run blocking. The entire offensive line, with the exception of Billy Turner, who wasn't even that bad, dominant as run blockers. All of them. Bakhtiari, Balaga, Jenkins, Lindsley, and Lewis wasn't bad. All of them. But this week, I guess Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, not super great at running the football. Also, Aaron Jones is extremely low because he had an abysmal pass blocking grade. As we saw, basically back-to-back plays where he tries to block somebody, doesn't get his feet set, gets run straight over, and then the quarterback gets sacked. So terrible effort on his part in pass blocking. Not normal for him. But again, that's one of the things that causes problems for the Packers. Generally, somebody's very good at something, but this week they just completely dropped the ball, and it translates to issues because we just can't have people play consistently. you got mistakes and errors and problems and reasons. So everybody above that, so Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanya, Jimmy Graham, Marquez, those are the guys that stood out as being poor performers in this game. Jamal, and every single one of them was poor in the passing game. In fact, every single person on this team that had a passing grade of some kind had a pretty bad grade. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers were average. 
Jay Kummerow was very good. Everybody else was just trash. Mercedes Lewis was trash. Danny Vitale, once again, garbage. Geronimo, garbage. Lazard, garbage. Jamal, garbage. Jones, garbage. Sternberger, garbage. Robert Tanyan, garbage. Jimmy Graham, garbage. Marquez, complete trash. This is why we can't throw the ball. Jay Kumaro was the only guy who did anything, and he had 10 times he's running route. Which, again, oh, yeah, well, that's why he needs more opportunities. Fine, but then next week, Jay Kumaro's not going to do anything, and the guy that got no snaps is going to be the one that goes off. Maybe part of the reason Jay Kumaro did so well is because he's the one guy that wasn't really scouted. I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating to finally have a team that's, that's doing things right, and then somebody else is just like, oh, I don't feel like playing anymore. We have a run game. Oh, and by the way, the one week that the offensive line is like, we're really going to hammer this. We're going to pass block and run block, and it was the best performance an offensive line has ever done in the history of football. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Uh, I don't feel like running today. <laughs> Defense is playing out of their mind. The entire passing offense, nah, I don't feel like showing up today. It's a noon game in December in Lambeau. Nah, I'm going to cash it in. Unbelievably frustrating. Anyways, skipping all the averages, which would be skipping Rodgers, Turner, Lewis, Adams, Vitale, Allison, and Lazard, who all graded out overall as average, as receivers, garbage. But we had five guys with good or very good grades. In fact, almost all five of these guys were very good. I'm just going to say they all were. 78.7 is the lowest. Corey Lindsley, very good pass blocker, incredible run blocker. Awesome. Number four highest graded player, Elton Jenkins with a 79.5 overall grade. Pass blocking, a little bit suspect. Run blocking, out of this world. Brian Balaga, man amongst men. 82.6 pass blocking grade while going up against Khalil Mack. And to boot, a 76.5 run blocking grade. Again, as a normal rule, most offensive linemen, especially Green Bay Packers offensive linemen, maybe get 40s or 50s or 60s as far as run blocking. This week, 70s and 80s across the board. David Bakhtiari, 88.3 pass blocking grade, an absolute stud. 80.5 run blocking grade. The guy's terrible at run blocking. He dominated this week. We had nothing to show for it because we didn't feel like showing up in other aspects, but they dominated. And then Jay Kumaro was the highest graded player with an 86.3. Part of that was because of his limited snaps, and then one of his, you know, one out of 10 times running a route is a really big play. Plus, he probably did good in other areas. I don't know. But that was it. The offensive line was awesome. Billy Turner wasn't awesome, but he wasn't horrible, which for him is kind of awesome. But the passing game is just a joke. It's just a joke. And it's been this way for a long time. Again, week 14, just looking at passing grades. Mercedes, uh, let's let's order this here. Um, Aaron Jones was awesome. Uh, Jimmy Graham was competent. Robert Tanyan was competent. Otherwise, Adams was average. Lazard was average. Geronimo was bad. Kumaro was bad. Marquez was bad. Sternberger was bad. Jamal was bad. Aaron Rodgers was very bad. Mercedes was very bad. Danny Vitale was horrible. Week 13, Lazard, Williams, and Rodgers were all solid. Lewis and Adams were competent because Adams hasn't been good in a very long time, but he's been kind of average. Otherwise, Graham was bad, Tanyan was bad, Scantling was bad, Vitaly was bad, Kumaro was bad, Sternberger was bad, and Aaron Jones was really bad. I'm just going back week to week. I'm not skipping anything. I'm just going in order. This is our passing offense. And again, we take turns. Sometimes Rodgers is good, sometimes he's bad. Sometimes Lazard st- Ooh, Lazard was the man. And we got to have a whole big thing about how Lazard is the man, and he needs to be getting more opportunities. <laughs> week 12, looking at passing grades. Devontae was competent. That's it. He had a great in the 60s. Otherwise, Jamal was bad. Vitaly was bad. 
Uh, Lazard was bad. Boyle, who played a little bit, was bad. Kumaro was bad. Marquez was bad. Tanyan was bad. Aaron Jones was bad. Jimmy Graham was terrible. Geronimo was terrible. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was terrible. And yes, Aaron Rodgers was the worst. Shall we continue? You, you get the point, right? It's not good enough. And, and, and the bigger problem isn't even talent, it's consistency. I said Kumaro was bad in just about every single one of those. Well, I did. I said he was terrible in every single one except one week. He needs to be better more consistently. Devontae hasn't been good since the bye. He hasn't had one good game since the bye. Prior to the bye, week 10, 82.2. He was very good. What happened to Devontae? What happened to Rodgers? Why can't Kumaro and Lazard be more consistent? When's Jason Sternberger going to step up? When is Jimmy, Jimmy Graham going to give us something? Why can't Marquez be good ever? Vitaly has not been good all season. Geronimo is, is regressing. Jamal and Aaron Jones, like, once every five weeks or whatever, like, boom, real good receivers. And then we just let that burn into our minds, and then for six weeks we keep saying they're great receivers despite the fact they've been terrible for six weeks. Oh, but they're really good receivers. You mean, like, before the bye week that one time? Yeah, that was great. We need consistency, and especially in the passing game, especially with Rodgers and Devontae and the guys that need to be consistent because the, the formula was, and again, the formula is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are really good, and we just need somebody else to step up. The problem is if the one guy that steps up is Kumaro, but Rodgers and Devontae don't step up, that's not an offense. That's nothing. And it's frustrating, not because we have a bad offense. We don't. We have a very good offense. They just feel like not playing. I don't know, we just can't get into a rhythm. No, forget your rhythm. Marquez, stretch your arms out. You don't need a rhythm to put your arms out. Devontae doesn't need a rhythm to not drop every pass that gets thrown to him. Geronimo doesn't need a rhythm. You need to wake up. I love the record. I love all that stuff. I want to beat the Viking. And I want them to wake up this week. Right now. Now is when we wake up. Now is when Rodgers stops being the 30th best quarterback in football. By the way, over those last four weeks in which Aaron, and maybe there's a correlation here, Aaron Rodgers is the 30th best quarterback in football over the last four weeks. Over those same four weeks, Devontae Adams is the 53rd best quarter, wide receiver in football. 53rd. That's, that's, that's barely a number two wide receiver. Gotta, 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 gotta snap out of this, man. Oh, there, there's so much right at the Packers' fingertips. It's right there. We gotta get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae going again and get back to the days in which all we need is one guy like Kumaro to step up for a for a couple plays and boom this thing blows wide open because Aaron Jones is running and Devontae and Rodgers are on fire and all if we can just get one more guy plus this defense plus everything else, Packers are unstoppable. But the main driver of this entire team, the passing offense, is the one thing that decided right when everything else falls into place that it's like, eh, I don't know anymore. Please, please, please don't be the one anchor for this team. Don't do that. I know there's a little bit of a different PFF thing. I'm just, I'm tired of it, man. Every week I'm looking at this and it's like, oh, look, Aaron Rodgers had another bad day. Oh, look, Devontae still hasn't stepped up. Oh, look, the tight ends are never any good at anything. And I'm overstating that. Mercedes has done good as a blocker. Jimmy has been probably a little underrated as a receiver, although, you know, not when you consider his pay, but still. But it's just, it's just, it's, it's just exhausting. I don't know. And I don't want to be negative, but I'm just, I'm so tired of looking at this and saying the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of it. 
Oh, it's the Bears. Oh, yeah, it's the Redskins, and it's the Giants. What's your excuse for those? It's not the opponents. And even if it is, so what? What is it going to be in the playoffs? You think we're going to face the Giants in the playoffs? You think it's going to be Giants and Lions and then Boomer in the Super Bowl? Where it's a Packers-Dolphins Super Bowl? No, come on, man. It's the best of the best. Wake up time. Wakey, wakey. Anyways, looking at the offensive line now a little bit more specifically. Uh, pass blocking, um, again, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, very, very good. Need that, man. This offensive line taking a step. Just just stay there. Please stay there, especially as run blockers, because if you guys can do that forever, oh, my goodness, this, this offense is just going to be dynamite. I mean, at least as far as running the ball. Uh, Danny Vitale did a great job pass blocking. Jamal Williams, Mercedes Lewis, Corey Lindsley, and Jay Sternberger also did a good job pass blocking, which just saved my life because I probably would have lost money instead of kind of close to breaking even. I don't remember exactly what it was, but whatever. Just Jace, man. You let me down. Um, Jason Elton Jenkins were average. Billy Turner was below average as a pass blocker, and then Aaron Jones obviously was terrible. Um, He allowed three pressures with just six pass blocking attempts, which is really terrible. A sack, a hit, and a hurry when you're just blocking six times is, is really, really unacceptable. It was the only sack of the game. Otherwise, only three hits on Aaron Rodgers the whole game. Corey Lindsley gave up two hits. Aaron Jones gave up one of them, obviously. Uh, hurries, Billy Turner gave up three hurries. Um, Jenkins, Jones, Bakhtiari, and Rodgers were all credited for the others uh, for a grand total of 11 pressures. As far as run blocking, here's how it broke down. We have three guys in the 80s. Very good. That never happens. Maybe you get one, but not usually. We had three. Alan Lazard and Geronimo Allison, number one and two. You want to know why Geronimo's not coming off the field? That's why. He's very good at it. Uh, David Bakhtiari was the other one who was very good, which, again, is shocking because he's one of our worst run blockers, but he's a very good pass blocker. You know how that works. So great day run blocking for David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins was dominant. Corey Lindsley was dominant. Brian Balaga was dominant. Uh, Mercedes Lewis also did a good job, so he was blocking on both sides of the ball really, really well. And then Billy Turner, who actually is one of our better run blockers, um, Although 67 is, is pretty much what our best run blockers do, but it was basically average. But still, across the board, the offensive line showed up, man. This is, this is I don't even have to look. This is by far the best performance the offensive line has done. I mean, by it's not even close. And against the Bears, nonetheless, awesome. If they can do this next week and, and have similar success against the Minnesota Vikings, it's, it's, it's going to make a massive difference because of how good their pass rushers are. They, they need this offensive line to play to this caliber, and it's great to see it show up against the Bears. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the other passing stats and everything because we've already done that. We'll look at Aaron Rodgers' uh, grades or, or stats when you break down pressure versus no pressure. Pretty standard, I guess. Um, he was 15 of 24, 62%, 193 yards, uh, 8 yards per attempt, and one touchdown with no pressure. Uh, 75 overall grade, one batted ball, three drops, 101.6 NFL passer rate. Under pressure, the grade wasn't that bad, but it was it was just terrible. Under pressure, he was one of nine. He completed one pass while he was under pressure. Um, one of nine for 10 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, 1.1 yards per attempt, because there were nine attempts. Um, he was sacked once, had one drop, and four throwaways. So nine times when he's under pressure, he was sacked, had a drop, Threw the ball away four times, completed one pass. I don't know what the other two were. Maybe scrambles, probably. Oh, one scramble. So there's still one sitting out there somewhere. I don't know. So that was the result of the times in which he was pressured. Fortunately, he wasn't pressured very much because this would have been just a complete nightmare if he was uh, if he was pressured more regularly. 
Anyways, let's flip over to the defense. We'll start with the bad news first, just because we want to try to get that out of the way, especially with me being in a bad mood. I want to just try to fly past it so I don't get stuck on it. Um, overall, not super great. There was one guy who was dominant, a couple guys that were good, and then a whole bunch of average to below average. Um, starting with below average, so close to average, but not quite. Kevin King was below average. Preston Smith, below average. Kingsley Kiki was below. Dean was below. Montrevious was below. And then Kyler Fackrell was the one bad player. He was very close to 49.8, but um, just not good at all. Kyler Fackrell's actually the last two weeks, I think, has been the lowest graded defender. So he's had a rough couple of weeks. I don't know what the deal is there. Probably because I started... I think the team just likes to do the opposite of what I say. Right? I, I start talking about how Kenny can't do anything and he's dominant. start talking about how Kyler's underrated. He can't do anything. Kumaro's probably going to go off because I said it doesn't really... It's the same thing happened with Lazar, by the way. I, I did this whole speech and then he had a second pretty good week. And I was like, oh, of course he did. And then he didn't drift off until I stopped talking about him. Um, average Blake, Savage, Amos, Campbell, Tremont. And these are just overall categories. We'll get into specifics more. Um, guys that were good... Zadarius, Oren Burks, Chandon Sullivan, Jair, Rashawn, and uh, Tyler Lancaster. And then the one guy who was elite, Kenny Clark. So I was going in order there. And yes, you heard Rashawn as the third highest graded player. They're all basically bunched together, but still number three, burn, eat it, pound sand. Whatever it is you feel like is most offensive, go do that. Looking specifically at run defense, I thought the Packers did a pretty solid job. However, it wasn't perfect, obviously. Below average, Darnell Savage, Campbell, Amos, Fackrell, Montrevious, Kingsley Kiki, Blake Martinez, Dean Lowry, and Kevin King. Again, that's in order from least terrible to most terrible. Blake Martinez, once again, is near the bottom, which is indefensible for an inside linebacker. Dean Lowry, we need better from him. He did pretty well as a pass rusher, but the run defense and tackling was garbage. And then Kevin King, which it's not really his job, but, you know, it happened. Tackling, again, it seems to be getting better for a lot of guys, but we still have a lot of really terrible tackling, so below average. Chandon Sullivan, Jair, Darnell Savage, and Preston. I know everyone's going to flip out because Jair had that one tackle. I get it. I saw a highlight of one guy doing one thing one time. Therefore, he should have just an elite grade because it doesn't matter what he did the rest of the game. I know. I understand how that works, but that's also not how that works. Um, abysmal tackling grades. Kevin King, Oren Burks, Kyler Fackrell, Dean Lowry. Oren Burks is another one that is just undue, like... If we just gave him more opportunities, he'd be elite. That just doesn't ever seem to be the case. Maybe he'd be solid. He only had three total opportunities. But, you know, let's see it first and then start hyping. Because all we've seen is not good. Also, they want him on the field badly. They drafted him high. If he's not on the field, it's because he's pretty bad. I mean, Ty goes to the higher draft pick. If it's even close, we're going with the draft pick. He's not on the field. We have to go out and get washed up old guys on a regular routine basis supplementing, you know, going out and getting B.J. Goodson, who was replacing another guy that was just kind of meh, who replaced another guy who was meh, and next year we'll probably get a bunch more meh guys, and Oren Burke still doesn't get on the field, so let's just stop. Um, good tackling, Tyler Lancaster, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, we're going up in grade, by the way, and then very good tackling, Ibrahim Campbell, Adrian Amos, and Tremont Williams was top dog. Pass rush, not quite as impressive overall, um, I guess below average grades would be Savage Smith actually had a below average grade. I know that seems shocking. He actually had quite a bit of pressures, but again, for whatever reason, and if you want to go watch Game Pass and analyze every single snap, that's fine. I'm just relaying the information. I know he had a lot of pressures and all that, but on a snap-to-snap -snap basis, apparently they weren't overly that impressed. And really, to be honest, they haven't been overly impressed with the pass rush, and I don't know the difference, right? There's a lot of times you get a lot of pressures, but the grade isn't very good. And granted, he had 55 attempts. 
and five pressures, which is 10%, which isn't all that high. That means there's 50 times he rushed the passer and didn't get any kind of pressure. So, I don't know. Anyways, I still love Zadarius. I'm not going to even bother trashing the guy. I'm just relaying the information. Um, and then Preston Smith and then Kyler Fackrell. Um, good pass rush grades. Kingsley Kiki, which is promising because we haven't seen much from him, and he's graded out pretty poorly throughout the year. But on his four attempts, they thought he did pretty well. Zero pressures, but still. Um, Dean Lowry was number two, which is important. He had two pressures. We'll get more into the stats in a minute, but, you know, it's something. And then Kenny Clark had an elite grade. 45 attempts, seven pressures, two sacks, five hurries. The guy's a freak. Uh, Finally, in terms of coverage, nothing overly impressive, nothing super terrible either. A huge amount of average. The only guys that were below average would be Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell, which who cares? Uh, really only one guy had a good grade, but we'll call it two because Chandon was a 69.8, so that's basically 70. So Chandon, Sullivan, and Jair were good. Everybody else was average. Everybody. Uh, quick statistics rundown again. Kenny Clark had seven pressures. Sedarius had five. Kyler Fackrell had four, which is actually pretty good for 28 attempts. Uh, all four were hurries. Preston Smith had four on 49 attempts. Rashawn Gary had two pressures on 11 attempts, which is, you know, basically 20%, which is incredibly high. Somebody had uh, mentioned that I was wrong that Rashawn Gary has two sacks now this year. I don't know. I have to go back and watch it because I don't remember him ever, ever having another sack because I've been literally waiting for this forever. They gave him credit for two sacks against Denver. So according to PFF, he actually had his third sack today. Also, because of his limited opportunities, when he gets pressures... Uh, his pressure percentage spikes. So he's actually above 10% right now, which is pretty solid. He's also had three weeks in a row with a pressure. He's had five pressures over the last five weeks. He's had seven pressures over the last seven weeks. So he's averaging about one a game. And he's also averaging less than 10 attempts per game. So it's, again, limited opportunities. But he's consistently getting to the quarterback. Let, Let me put it a different way. One, two, three, four, five. Only five games this entire year he's had zero pressure five games the entire year. He's had eight games with less than 10 attempts. I'm just saying, and I know he's not perfect, you got to quit sleeping on this guy. He's not grading out all that super well or anything, but it's it's this is relatively impressive. Um, to put it another way, he has the exact same sack rate as Zadarius Smith, 2.4%. Meaning if he had the same amount of pressures and if he kept the same amount of sacks per pressure, he would have 12 sacks right now. If he had the same 481 pressures as Zadarius and kept that same percentage, he would have 12 sacks on the season. Maybe not exactly. Let me let me get the exact number real, just so we can be specific. And I don't want to overstate the case here. He would have 11.6 sacks. Now again, that's you know this is not exactly how this works, and we're we're playing with numbers a little bit. But the expectation that he should have more is ridiculous. He should not have three sacks right now, given his attempts. That's crazy. Because again, given a full workload, that translates to 11 to 12 sack. That's ridiculous. He has a higher pressure rate than Brian Burns right now. Brian Burns is at 9.8%. Gary's at 10.4. Gary is getting more pressures per attempt than Brian Burns is. Rashawn Gary is at 2.4% sack percentage rate. Brian Burns is at 2.2. So he's getting a higher number of sacks per attempt. He's getting a higher number of total pressures per attempt. He's doing better than Brian Burns is given the opportunities. Brian Burns is also averaging one pressure per game over the last, I don't know, I mean, it didn't start that way. To start the season, it was three, four, five, four uh, pressures. Since week five, it's been two, one, zero, two, zero, one, two, one, one, zero. So averaging about one per game since week five. The biggest difference is the amount of attempts. He has 265 pass rush attempts this year. 
Rashawn Gary has 124, less than half. And don't even get me started with Montez Sweat. He's not even to 9%. He's at 8.9% on a pressure as a pressure percentage. 2.0% sack percentage. He's got six sacks, which is pretty solid for a rookie. But again, looking at attempts and looking at percentages, it would be Rashawn Gary number one, Brian Burns number two, Montez Sweat number three. Looking at pressure percentage, Rajon Gary number one, Brian Burns number two, Montez Sweat number three. Just giving you the information. That's that's all I'm doing. I know some of you guys make it your mission to, and not not even so much the group. I'm I'm talking to other people that are out there. The group seems to be relatively pro Gary. I know probably a few of you aren't. And listen, I think that's fair. He's not grading out all that well. He still has a long way to go. But oh my, I, I'm just I'm just telling you. And and primarily I came from this from a standpoint of number one, I didn't like Rashawn Gary coming out of college. I didn't want Rashawn Gary, but we got him, and I want to give him an opportunity. And people aren't giving him an opportunity and are trashing the guy for doing nothing with no attempts. That's silly, and that's basically what I'm defending. But I'm just telling you, as as somebody who is not a Rashawn Gary fan when he came out of college, who was not happy with the pick, I have never watched him once play and wasn't impressed by him. Because at the end of the day, he's just bigger and faster and stronger than all the all the tackle. Now, it's it's all just completely raw, right? At some point, he's got to get some moves. He's got to try to get around a tackle. But his ability to push a tackle straight into the quarterback in about three seconds is unbelievable. His power is just disgusting. But that's why the Packers got him. He's an athletic freak. They don't make human beings like they make him. His size and speed combination is is like almost no human beings on planet Earth have. It's why he was one of the most highly recruited kids coming out of high school since Jadavian Clowney. He's up in that stratosphere of being just a, a freak. Let's give him some time. He's not grading out that well, but we've got a great opportunity for him to learn from Mike Smith, from Zadarius Smith, from Preston Smith, the trio of Smiths to teach Rashawn Gary, a guy who is totally raw, but has some of the the highest upside of any pass rusher that's come out, again, since Jadavian Clowney. And by the way, Jadavian took a little time to come around. Right now, he's one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. In his, well, not his rookie year, because he didn't really play much in his rookie year because he was hurt. But in his rookie year, he had three pressures on 94 attempts. That's 3%. That's not even a thing. I've never seen anything that bad in my life. In his second year, he ended at 9.2%. That's where Brian Burns is. Rashawn Gary's already higher than that. In his third year, 10.3%, kind of just average in terms of pressure percentage. In his fourth year, 12%, that's pretty solid, right? 12% is, is good. After that, he kind of regressed down to uh, a little below 10%, which isn't good. He's back up to 11.3%. And, and again, Clowney isn't just a good pass rusher, right? In terms of pressure, he's just kind of, nah. But I mean, the, the guy can cover. His run defense is, is I mean, you want to talk about Premier. He's been one of the better run defending edge rushers in football for a long time, which is one of the reasons that Rashawn Gary gets those comps. He's very good against the run traditionally. We'll see. But I'm just I'm just saying, man, let's let's give him some time. Maybe he's gonna be a bust. He might be. I don't know. But from from zero things that I've seen, I can call him a bust. I've seen nothing. Other than the fact that he seems a little bit raw and doesn't seem to want to get around tackles as much as he wants wants to just push through them. Still, he he's getting pressures at at really really solid rates given his opportunities. And he's, he's getting better as, as time goes on. He had a stretch from week 4 to week 10 in which he graded out as a pass rusher in the 50s every week except one. The last three weeks, he's been 64, 58, 67, 69. This past week against Chicago was his second highest pass rush grade. That's not bad. He's coming on, and he's coming on at the right time. Kenny Clark coming on at the right time. 
His pass rush gets better every single week, and I've been saying he's he's been good against the run, but not or against the pass, but not so much against the run. That turned around in a big way this week. That's big, man. That's awesome. That's great. Fantastic news. Again, need to be able to throw the ball, but we won't go down that path again. Just leave that alone. Feel like we've thoroughly beat that horse. Um, very quickly, the last of these stats here. Um, some missed tackles. Kevin King and Kyler Fackrell missed two. Um, let's see, Jair, Savage, Lowry, Martinez, and Smith each missed one. Otherwise, not a whole lot going on in the tackling realm. The corners and safeties and whatnot coverage. Jair, Blake Martinez, and Tremont were all targeted 10 times. Jair gave up six for 57 yards with one interception and one pass breakup. Blake gave up seven for 86 yards. Tremont gave up six for 79 yards with a pass breakup. Um, Chandon Sullivan and Kevin King were targeted five times. Chandon, five targets, only one reception for six yards. That guy, I'm telling you, man. He didn't have any pass breaks, breakups or anything, but he just he just keeps showing up. And, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that deserves more opportunities. Chandon isn't a guy that's been terrible all year but had one good week, and now we got to talk about how he should just be our number one corner. He's been consistently a good football player all year. And, by the way, he's playing mostly safety. He came in and played slot in Kevin King's absence. He's been playing a lot of safety, and he's doing a really good job. Strong safety, so he plays kind of close to the line of scrimmage. Maybe he's covering tight ends and stuff, but it just he's really doing a good job. Kevin King, five targets, only two receptions for 40 yards. So, I mean, that's as far as I could care less about the grades. Give me that all day long. Granted, the, the falling down thing is a little annoying, but I'll, again... If every week the guy had five targets, two receptions for 40 yards, I'll take that all day, every day. Uh, Amos, four targets, three receptions, only 18 yards. He did give up a touchdown, but had a pass breakup in there. Ibrahim Campbell, four targets, three receptions, 35 yards. And then Darnell Savage, two targets, one reception, 13 yards. Um, and only one penalty in the whole group. I think I think overall, def- defensively, this was a great effort. You know, we can get nitpicky with it, but, I mean, run defense, we got guys stepping up. Pass rush, we got guys stepping up. Coverage, we got guys stepping up. In all phases, there's enough there to shut everything down. And I know it's the Bears, and I get all that, but that's that's fine, man, because we won this game because of the Green Bay Packers defense, same as last time we played the Bears. Everything in my mind is clicking to a degree in which I'm comfortable. The only thing that isn't is the Packers' ability to throw the football. And they can do it early. They can't do it consistently throughout the game. They've got to be able to throw the ball consistently throughout the game. Don't know what that means. Don't even care to speculate at this point in time. Just throw it better. They have to. You know, and, and especially when we're going up against teams like the Vikings coming up. The Vikings are a good team. They've got a good offense. We'll see what's going on with their running backs. But they've got a good offense. They've got great pass rushers, linebackers, safeties. The one weakness they have is their corners. If we don't have wide receivers and a quarterback that are going to step up and manipulate these corners, I don't know how we win this game. Because that's the only weakness they have that we have the ability to exploit. Because I don't really see a game plan in which we just run it down their throat for 200 yards. That's not how this is going to work. But, Anyways, that's going to be it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.